This is episode 391 of the AWS podcast, released on September 9, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Welcome back to this special series of the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesher here. Great to have you back. This is our VMware Cloud on AWS special series. In this episode, you can hear how three individuals from the Scottish government migrated their on-premises data centers to the cloud using VMware Cloud on AWS, with some help from APN Partner, House of Brick, and AWS. In this episode, Jay Raman Valore Sampathkumar, Solutions Architect at AWS, is joined by Neil Smith, Head of Infrastructure, Scottish Government, and Nick Walter, Principal Architect, House of Brick, as they share their experience of leaving the data centre and moving to the cloud. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to VMware Cloud on AWS podcast series, featuring successful VMware Cloud on AWS customers and AWS partner network partners that have helped them on their journey. In this episode of Data Center Exit Series, we are going to have an awesome talk with guests from Scottish Government and APN partner House of Brick. Hello, I'm Jairaman Vello Sambath Kumar, Solution Architect with Amazon Web Services. I'll be the host of today's podcast. And I'm Nick Walter, a Principal Architect with House of Brick Technologies. And I'm Neil Smith, Head of Infrastructure at the Agriculture and Rural Economy Directorate for the Scottish Government. We have a couple of terrific guests here that I'm excited for you to meet in this episode. But before we dive into their story, let's quickly recap where we have been. So far, we have introduced you to two separate partner and customer stories, each sharing how they have used VMware Cloud on AWS to exit their data centers. If you didn't listen to either of the previous installments of this podcast series, we encourage you to go back and do so anytime. Today, I'm excited to bring in Nick from House of Brick Technologies and Neil from the Scottish Government to share their story. Both are well-known speakers in VMworld conferences, so sit tight and take notes. Neil, can you tell us about the Scottish Government? Bring us into a day in life, so to speak, of your on-premises data center workload. Sure, thanks, Jay. So, as I said earlier, Neil Smith, Head of Infrastructure at the Agriculture and Rural Economy Directorate in the Scottish Government. This is one of the largest departments inside the Scottish Government where we pay agricultural subsidies to farmers. The amount of money is sizable. It can run into around about 800 million euros. So there's a sizable amount of money. With regards to your your, your question, Jay, um, on a day-to-day, a day in the life of uh, running on an on-premise data centre, we're like most natural other governmental organizations where we, we have a lot of legacy Spark workloads and we're naturally trying to mature them into whether uh, refactoring them or to run them into a virtualization piece or also run them into the cloud. So a day-to-day would be running a mix workloads of physical Oracle Spark workloads, some VMware uh, virtualized workloads and also some uh, native cloud workloads. One the, the key piece that we're going to talk about here today will be where we're taking a our Oracle Spark workloads, virtualized them, and then uh, ran them into VMware Cloud on AWS. We managed to do that relatively quickly over a few days, uh, and we'll discuss that story as we go through this podcast. It was uh, quite a transformation. It was a fast bit of work that was executed very quickly. 
thank you, Neil. Uh, was there something in particular that prompted your need to move from on-premises to the cloud? Sure. As I just described, we have a large amount of those legacy workloads, and they're on Solaris, built on Spark architecture. So there's a challenge there with the Spark TX86. So it's difficult. You can't just lift and shift. And we have a lot of Oracle databases. So that's kind of difficult to manage as you're trying to mature that into an x86 world. One of the other key drivers was is we have expensive DR data centers and we were uh, having challenges there on having the hardware renewal, hardware refresh coming up in the DR data center site. Also, with limited money for developer resources to refactor. Um, so that was a challenge on how do we take these Spark architecture workloads, and most of these applications are critical workloads, and run them into a more modernized platform. And like most other government departments and most other private departments, uh, companies, we have a cloud-first policy. So anything new, any new major bit of work, you're always meant to explore um, a cloud and the cloud-first policy. So that was the, the opening piece of how do we take those legacy workloads and mature them into a more modernized platform. And that was when it was decided where we wanted to modernize those business-critical workloads into an x86 sort of vSphere and upgraded Oracle platforms, but then also explore the capability of moving the DR scenario out of a physical data center and into a cost-efficient sort of public cloud DR. And this is where VMware Cloud came into its solution. We worked with House of Brick on this solution. We were already working with House of Brick earlier on on our Oracle licensing piece. So I was very comfortable in House of Brick and the qualities that they bring. And in terms of team size, et cetera, taking the example workload, uh, uh, an Oracle Apex workload, in terms of size of team, it was myself, two members of my team, and uh, Nick, who you just heard from earlier and you hear a little bit later on, uh, from How to Brick. And uh, you'll, you'll hear the story for such a small team, the level of transition we managed to take that Spark workload and mature it all the way through into VMware Cloud and AWS in a quite an incredible amount of time, short, short amount of time. Yeah, that's impressive. It took just three people to move a legacy workload to VMware Cloud on AWS. Did you have any concerns about moving to the cloud? Be honest with us. <laughs> sure. Um, obviously, the government can be uh, it can be a little bit slow to react to the new technologies, a little bit uh, sensitive to change, a little bit reluctant to change. So initially, you were, we, were, we were getting hit with security challenges. However, they were quickly mitigated uh, because all the cloud companies and VMware Cloud and AWS, et cetera, they've got all the certifications that are required. So that was easily mitigated, but that was always a concern straight off the bat. A lot of people are still nervous about the cloud, particularly in the government. Um, connectivity is another one. So how are we going to connect um, from our on-premise main site to the cloud and how would we manage that? And uh, what was the way to go about that, the, uh, the connectivity? Um, price, we also have to be uh, conscious of price given it's a, a government organization. And also skills, but that wasn't as applicable in this solution. Generally, when you're doing something natively in the cloud, you need in-house staff with AWS skills, and that's quite limited. But fortunately for here in this VMware Cloud solution that we put together, my internal team could reutilize their VMware skills when we consumed VMware Cloud and AWS. So the skills is always a challenge um, in any cloud piece, but in the VMware Cloud and AWS, that wasn't one on. So that, that, that was one of the positives, but yeah. Um, security, price, and connectivity, but they were they were easily mitigated. But they were they were initial concerns. Okay. Thanks for being honest with us. Now let's bring in House of Break into this conversation. Nick, tell us why House of Break was a good partner match for Neil's team and needs. Sure, happy to address that. 
Uh, as Neil mentioned, we already had a good working relationship with his Department of the Government. Uh, and when he started talking about you know the possibilities of leveraging the VMware Cloud and AWS to meet some of the challenges he just described, uh, we kind of hopped up and said, oh, you know, hey, we do that. House of Brick is a VMware partner, is an Amazon Web Services partner. And uh, as the leader of our cloud practice, you know, I've overseen a lot of projects involving migrations of business critical workloads, primarily Oracle workloads, into public cloud environments. So we had a lot of experience to draw on both in the cloud footprint that might be necessary or applicable to this project, as well as the, the middleware and the database technologies, particularly in the legacy platform that Neil was referring to, the Solaris platform, and the appropriate ways to migrate and replatform those. So just kind of a happy coincidence, we were already in touch with him and then he wanted to do something that was entirely within our wheelhouse. Neil, so what happened once you learned about the VMware Cloud on AWS and began migrating? What happened next? Sure, so uh, thanks, Jay, and uh, thanks, Nick. As described earlier on, the challenge was to explore the capability of taking uh, that legacy Spark workloads, and uh, the example we use here is we used an Oracle Apex one, to then replatform it onto uh, an on-premise VMware platform and then take it into a VMware Cloud on AWS. As I kind of mentioned earlier was, we managed to do that very successfully, very quickly. One of the drivers, as I mentioned earlier as well, was the DR site that we were looking to move away from, the physical DR site. So that was a, a, a stretch goal I added to Nick and the team was, okay, can we take this legacy Spark workload, virtualize it, but then run it into VMware Cloud and AWS? And then I started to get greedy and saying, well, you know what, if we can do that, can we then run a DR scenario so I can prove that we have the capabilities of not only modernizing, replatforming these critical legacy workloads uh, into a VMware Cloud and AWS platform, but also utilize it as a DR platform. And the real driver for the DR platform was the, the physical DR site was being closed down at the end of this year, 2020. And it was also due a harder refresh round about the same time. And it just didn't make sense for, for me to almost do an old school way of thinking where we'll get some CapEx, buy some hardware for the new hardware refresh, rack stack, configure it in the DR data center only for the data center to close down. And then we move it to some colo and we have to pull it all out and rack stack and reconfigure it. So I started to get greedy once, once actually we were really meeting our uh, targets quickly. We were quite aggressive in our timescales, but between Nick and two of the colleagues, which was um, Jason Butters and uh, Paul Sheard, they were smashing these goals and they were, they, they were accelerating through each of the phases. And you can imagine, you know, the phases are fairly clear cut. You've got a legacy Spark workload. Okay, let's replatform that and then let's virtualize it. So that was one. Then it was saying, okay, can we take that workload and can we move it into VMware Cloud and AWS? But we have a connectivity piece obviously there. So we have to come over those challenges. And then I started to push the boundaries and saying, okay, let's run a DR scenario. Let's prove the concept of that. And then I started exploring being greedy and more greedy to say, can we use uh, one of our cloud data management tools, which we use as a rubric to try and utilize that as an alternative DR scenario, where we take some backup snapshots and try and pull them into VMware Cloud and AWS. We were meeting the expectations, but we were going way beyond that. And we were, we were exploring the art of the possible and the capabilities that VMware Cloud could give us. So whilst we had our, our end goals, we were able to explore the different capabilities that VMware Cloud and AWS could give us. 
Wow, that's quite greedy. Neil, um, so you had a platform migration, you had a DR uh, angle to it, and also you also moved to cloud. So with all these three, were there any surprises along the way? Yeah, good question, James. So obviously, there's all the surprises and projects, right? Uh, some good, some bad. The one that comes to mind straight off would be, we were, and, and Nick, feel free to jump in to, to keep me right here on a, on, on a technical aspect, but when we were looking to deploy the interconnect between our on-premise instance to VMware Cloud and AWS, we were initially doing it on the HCX components, and there was a tab to the side of it, which was for the service mesh, the multi-site service mesh, but it was just in beta mode. So we stayed clear of that, and we continued on the HCX components. And within a matter of a day or two, the HCX components became deprecated, and I had that in brackets, and multi-site service mesh was the new de facto standard. So that was a big surprise because it was kind of new to all of us. There wasn't many much instructions or detailed instructions in that. Uh, we're having to deploy it manually. So that was a, a real surprise uh, moving forward because it was something that we didn't expect to see. We knew it was there, we knew it was coming, but inside the day, it, it went from the HCX components, it went from being the viable de facto standard solution to, to deprecated. On the plus side though, obviously um, that's going to be a challenge and we have to then rework our solution. It made perfect sense. You could see you could see the value in that service mesh solution and it was just, it just coincided with when we were doing the solution that they were doing the flip over, but we didn't have any um, insights into that. So that would have been the main challenge from my side from where I seen it, it was, okay, this is a bit of a, a showstopper, something's changed, but we managed to, like I said, in the timescales with the, the quality of the, the guys like Nick, Jason, and Paul, they managed to adapt really quickly, learn the service mesh, and we deployed the service mesh, and it's been a, a great um, solution ever since. It makes perfect sense, the service mesh. And I'll just chime in there because uh, you invited me to. With, with the HCX, it wasn't so much a problem, uh, Neil. It was more of, as you said, just such a rapidly moving and rapidly evolving product that we got caught by surprise. As a consultant, you know, I often have to walk in and deal with my clients and say, okay, I'm going to teach you to do something that I've done before, and I'm going to share my experience with you. And I've set up HCX a bunch of times before. So I started walking them through the setup just like I'd done with a previous client a month ago. And suddenly it's not working and it's different. And literally the product interface changed on us in the middle of the week. And it's, it's just the challenge of the rapidly evolving public cloud infrastructure. And there was nothing wrong with the product. It worked great. The new feature was fantastic. We just had to readapt, go back to the documentation and relearn very quickly to overcome that challenge. It's a good thing to learn about HCX service mesh because we have seen a lot of customers turbocharge their migrations to cloud, especially with the new HCX uh, service mesh uh, feature. Nick, how did you help Neil and his team to navigate their questions in the new environment? Happy to address that. The biggest thing I think I contributed and I kind of already touched on this, it's just the mentorship. The experience of being someone who's done it before, knows the concepts, you know, can talk about what the actual day-to-day -day life in a public cloud environment is like. And Neil had a really great team. So very smart individuals. We were able to bring them up to speed very quickly. And then the second part, as Neil kept, and I'm going to use his words here, indulging in some scope creep, got a little greedy, 
wanted to do more and more with it. And the good news is everything he wanted to do was kind of something that there was already an out-of-the-box solution already existing in the VMware Cloud and AWS environment. So just, just to touch on, we used HCX for interconnect between sites. Uh, we talked about doing some disaster recovery also with uh, HCX. So we did look at site recovery just a little bit, but that wasn't a tool that was already in use in this particular environment. So just being able to help teach them what the tools are, what they can use, what makes sense to apply to their environment. And I'm truly a believer as a technologist that there is no one best solution. So a lot of the fun of this project was as challenges came up, what is the right solution? You know, we started on Spark platform, Solaris, with some very old versions of Oracle application server and database tier products. And we ended up in a very small amount of business days later with these workloads operating in the VMware Cloud and AWS environment on x86 with modern versions of Oracle middle tier and Oracle database products. So it, it was really fantastic to just leverage so many technologies in one product. And uh, I sincerely hope that Neil and team found it helpful, but I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, 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 we definitely did, Nick. And I think maybe a, a, an instant anecdote there would be uh, when Nick first arrived, we'd already discussed obviously the uh, the stages and uh, the deliverables. And uh, Nick, like uh, like Nostradamus, almost said, I think the most challenging point, and I think from his previous experience, was the connectivity between your on-premise and the VMware Cloud on AWS. That would be the most difficult piece. And ironically, that's exactly what it was. It was me working with my network, French government network team, and having to get connectivity between the on-premise and VMware Cloud and AWS. If we'd managed to do that at the supersonic speed that we'd done the rest, we would have even delivered it even quicker, but yeah. Let's take credit where credit is due, Neil. The reason we were so ahead of schedule is I showed up on day one to start the project, and I said, here's the steps we have to do for phase one, and your people stood up and said, we did 80% of that last week. Okay. So we started ahead of schedule thanks to your team. Wow, that's a, quite a good uh, team rapport. This question is for Neil. Uh, Neil, you were both greedy and successful. Can you tell me what life is like now that you are on the cloud? Sure. Um, obviously, uh, there's there's less maintenance overhead because you're on VMware Cloud and AWS. Uh, the VMware Amazon team are managing that hardware and the management part of the uh, VMware Cloud and AWS, and we're just managing the, the compute. Um, we're also exposing more of our um, in-house developers to native AWS services from VMware Cloud on AWS. So there's there's a real kind of exposure and upskilling, but then also having a less operational management overhead. So uh, that's been a, a huge benefit. From your perspective, what advice would you give to other government customers running workloads on-premises? Sure. So I'd probably start to say, explore what you need. Um, always look at your requirements and then understand what is best fit. Always explore um, newer technologies, just show what's what's capable out there. IT's evolving so quick now. So keep abreast of technologies, experiment, proof of concept, engage with vendors like House of Brick and uh, VMware and AWS, etc. But then always look at your workloads, um, you know, whether it's architecturally, the requirements, and just decide what you need. In this solution, I had a kind of clear four-phase plan that we're almost about to fully achieve. And phase one was that, take that legacy workload and virtualize it and then run it in VMware Cloud and AWS and then use VMware Cloud and AWS as a DR platform. But then to utilize that platform even further to run dev test workloads on VMware Cloud and AWS to, to you know sweat the asset a little bit more, get the developers up there in dev test. 
Then phase three, when you're up there using the Elastic Network interface between VR McLeod and AWS and native AWS, get the developers to consume uh, uh, more native AWS services. And then as you move into phase four, you start to look about, hey, can we start to fully close down all our on-prem sites and run this hybrid cloud with VMware Cloud and AWS and native AWS? And that was my kind of strategic plan and what we were doing is we were proving each of those concepts with Nick and House of Brick. But I, I'm very much of the opinion of is take the requirements and then consider things like cost and performance and efficiency and look where that those requirements are best fitted. The key takeaway that I would probably give to the other government departments or even other businesses would be you can run any application in the cloud. You can put any application in a container and, and or the orchestration of that. But you've got to make sure it's architecturally the right thing to do. It's the easiest thing in the world to take a, a, a virtual machine and run it as an EC2 instance natively on AWS. But only do it, look at it, look at when it's architecturally the right thing to do. And obviously this is where um, AWS, the well-architected framework comes in and the five key pillars of, of the well-architected framework. Thank you for uh, highlighting the AWS uh, well-architected framework. To wrap up, I want to ask this question to both of you. What are the key takeaways for our listeners? Neil, you can go in first. The, the key takeaways I would take would be, uh, as above, look at your requirements and always explore and experiment with new technologies. Um, the VMware Cloud and AWS solution, it was a fast lane to cloud computing for us. Um, you're still being native with the technology you already knew on-premise with the VMware tools. So there was an easy transition for the, for, for, for the staff but you were also moving workloads into the cloud. Although it's VMware Cloud and AWS, it's sitting inside the AWS data center. So it starts ticking off a lot of key ticks, particularly on, on a cloud-first policy, because VMware Cloud and AWS is in the cloud. So you, you, are, you are ticking those advantages. Also, yeah, explore technologies and how you can utilize them for numerous ways, You know, not just the standard uh, VMware Cloud and AWS, let's just run, run, run workloads in there. Um, what we can do is we can look at using the disaster recovery and production, et cetera, and yeah, site recovery. Nick, have you got anything to add? I'm aware I've been talking a, a little bit. Maybe you've you, you got some good ideas on this. Yeah, let me just add, and I don't even think I need to really add to what you said as much as just highlight what I think is the key portion of it. A lot of the people that I talk to and help with their cloud migrations Think of it as a big world changer. They think of it as this massive, massive project that they have to go get budget for. And I think that's kind of the wrong way of looking at it. You can quite tactically take advantage of services in the cloud, like the VMware Cloud and AWS, on a project-by-project, best-fit basis, if that's the technology that makes the most sense. You don't have to burn down your entire data center and redevelop everything as cloud-native that's expensive and very time-consuming and difficult to your operations. So explore the solutions that make sense and still let you achieve your objectives. Thanks again to Neil and Nick for joining us today and sharing the Scottish government success story. I hope you are finding these conversations insightful. Thanks for joining this episode of VMware Cloud on AWS podcast. Be sure to check out the other episodes in the series. Until next time, that's a wrap.